Hour 2 of The People's Show. Vic Nazar, Randy Janda, Dominic Shermati running the show today. And you, the people, as well. You can chime in 650-650. Canucks preseason coverage on Sportsnet 650 brought to you by Black and Lee. Suiting up has never been easier with suits and tuxedos in a modern wide range of colors, styles, and fits. Blackandlee.com. Busy hour. We got Danny Kelly joining us at 2.30 from the Ringer Fantasy Football Podcast and ringer.com. If you got fantasy football questions for week three, just in general, trades that you're considering, players that you want to acquire, players you want to drop, what do you want to do? You can text in 650-650 into the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. We'll pitch those by Danny. Maybe ask some ourselves because you're 0-2. I am. Invincibles, not invincible. Not, not invincibles this year, unfortunately. Not convincing. No, and I was actually looking forward to this season. I was like, well, team might be okay. Thus far, the name is a curse already. Look at us. Hey, look at us. Look at us. Huh? Who would have thought? Not me. <laughs> I'm not that positive, guys. Also, it's more of a point, realist. Yeah. Hey, Owen two doesn't mean anything. Come back, storm. I could, I could be like the BC Lions that one year where they were like what zero and six and won the Great Cup. It's a long season. Congratulations, you played yourself. It's a long season of fantasy. Turf trivia is coming up at some point too. Yes, we'll have that those to give away. Speaking of the BC Lions, uh, all right. So we mentioned Bruce Boudreau. Says he is hoping to have lines that come out tomorrow that will be similar to the ones that we see on opening night, which is a, a nice thing for us to see, because he, he said to us, he's planned like 4,000 different iterations of what the lines are uh, at, at the Milford, so he's had all summer to, to plot this out. The official lineup looks, could be what we see tomorrow. What is one line that you want to see? Just one. You don't have to give us the whole depth no, chart. Not the whole, all the 12 forwards. 650, 650. What is one line that you would like to see tomorrow? Okay. So I'm really interested to see what what people come come up with. Yeah, we have our thoughts, and we've been kind of sharing them over the weeks, kind of hinting at them before. I've been pretty clear in the one that I think I, I want to see. I even mentioned in the first segment a little bit. But, Vic, the one I want to see is, I don't know what the nickname of this line would be. Oh, we got to come up with nicknames? No, no we don't. Okay. I, I just feel as though it would be a very strong line, like physically. Mm-hmm. Physically strong, in your face, you know, a couple of, a couple of, you know, Bo the Bull would be in the center of the lineup as well. Go ahead. Bo Horvat, mm-hmm. Ilya Mikheyev, and Vasily Podkolzin. I have a name. What do you have? The Get Some line. Tristan Nielsen's not on the line. It doesn't matter. <laughs> He's got to be on the line. He's got That's his No, line. he doesn't. He He's doesn't a... have to be on the line. He's got to be on the line. Like <laughs> Can he be on the team before we get a get some oh, like, line? No, it's like Bart Simpson, sorry. Like, say the line. Like, yeah. that's his line. Somebody else can say the line. What about the MPH? We have a bull. What about the MPH line? Miles MP- per hour. No. What's McKayev? We, ha- we, that, no, we you had that. We had that with uh, Kessler, Dimitra, and Sundin. Dom, I'm going to need your Slavic accent for this. Go ahead. Strong like bull line. Strong like bull line. There we go. <laughs> we have a bull. That's the line. We have bull line. There we go. Just, okay. Physically imposing. Guys can skate. Intelligent hockey players with a bit of scoring chops as well. We've seen that from Mikheyev last year. We saw that from Pod Colson. We've seen Bo put up points as well. And you're just intense. You're aggressive on the forecheck. 
And I think, you know, all of those guys, at least Pod Colson can play make. Bo is a shooter. Mikheyev's a shooter. To me, that's a strong, smart line that can also play sound defense, give you some scoring depth. I worry. So I, I think this could be an entertaining line for all the things that you're talking about, you know, physicality, strong skating. I just worry, like, how are they going to facilitate the puck? Like, that would be my big worry. Because I, I know they were talking about this on um, Canuck Central yesterday, expectations for um, Vasily Podkolzin. And, and Riccio was kind of just downplaying them. I think some people were looking at, like, hey, 55 points for a guy who continues to evolve and, and, and is a young player. Okay, that's high. That, that That's, for me, lofty. We talked about this as well on Monday. We kind of said, like, 40 points seems yeah. about right. The three guys you just put together there, I look at that and I say, like, who's passing the puck in general? Like, Bo Horvat's topped out, you know, around 30 assists. But we don't really look at him as an overall playmaker. He's a goal scorer. He's a, he's a goal scorer, especially on the power play. But generally speaking, he's not an overall facilitator. Vasily Podkolzin, that's a lot of expectations to put on a young player who, in heightened role if he got 20 and 20 wouldn't we say that's a good season for sure that's about 20 assists he's he's got that skill set to be a playmaker are we looking at Ilya Mikheyev to get 25 assists no he's not that's not really his profile he's the goal scorer Bo's the goal scorer Pod Colson would be the guy that'd be more the facilitator here but you talk about expectation on that line I don't think the expectation would be sky high it's a in a lot of ways yes you expect scoring from it but it's it's also an energy line. It also takes the the ability of a shutdown line. So, yes, you expect offense from it, but I don't know if Vasilipod Colson would be in a high-stress situation here saying you have to get X amount of points. To me, that line is going to be win your matchups, and yes, you're going to score, but the pressure would be for the top two other top lines with JT Miller and Elias Pedersen to get the points. I, I think the, the MO of this line would be win your matchups. And looking at those three mm-hmm. guys... I think they could win your ma- their matchups. Here's the thing: it's like you're, you're paying Mikheyev premium now. Like now he has to put up points. By the way, you can no longer just be Ilya Mikheyev who gets thirty points and hey, you look really fast. Now he's getting paid to put up points, and I I see like why it's exciting and and why you you, you would pitch this. I just worry about like where is the overall production coming from. Okay, we talked about Pod Colson's mm-hmm. expectations and what that range of points is. I think 40 to 45 is where most people would say, hey, that'd be a great season for mm-hmm. the young kid. Mikheyev, 32 points last year, 21 goals. When we're talking about how much offense this guy has. In 53 games, too. 53. Uh, I, I think that's important to mention. Yeah. And, yeah, he's he's the most games he's played in the season is 54 over the last three years, right? So we have to keep that in mind. Well, shortened season. Yes. What would be the expectation here, though? What would be the expect? I don't think it's that high. Like he's paid four and a half, but it's they're also paying for a. It, you're going to be in the top nine. There's no question about that. I, you're I'm be a PK. top six, man. I'm safe to say, like, top six is something that Bruce Boudreau mentioned as recently as as the Milford. And yes, of course, you can try this guy everywhere. But when we're talking about point production, Liam McKay never been. This guy's going to guarantee a 55 points. He's he's going to guarantee a lot of things. So. I think the point range is actually going to be pretty similar. It's going to be higher than Vasily Podkolzin. I would say baseline of 45. I think it's probably in that 45 to 55 range. It's not that much higher than Podkolzin. No. To your point, he's not a playmaker. He's a finisher. 
and his goals to assist ratio has always been two to one for uh, the most part. Looking in the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox, what's fascinating here is different centers, but it's all coming in with Colson and Mikhaya right now. It is a lot of those submissions. And to me, that that's interesting because I think there's the speed element, which I imagine attracted you to, yep. to putting that together. And then there's the assumed breakout for Vasily Colson. Again, our version of breakout to you and I was 40 points, 45 points. Sure. I think that's the point Dan Reach was making yesterday as well in Canuck Central. There might be an assumption that, hey, breakout becomes 55, 60-point player. It's difficult to put up points in this league. And I think there's a profile of player in Vasily Podkosin that down the road maybe gets there. But to me, I just want to see minimal progression. I'd love to see an explosion, but my expectation is just incremental progression. Yeah. 40 points to me, 45 is a phenomenal season for Vasily Podkosin. But it, it's it's interesting to me to, to see you the text coming in, 650-650. There's a lot of pods and Mikheyev combinations coming in. So this one coming in, Miller, pods, Mikheyev. So if you're talking about more of a facilitator, JT Miller has that mm-hmm. in his locker. He can set up that strong shot of Pod Colson and the puck retrieval, the puck pressure of an Ilya Mikheyev. I think he's going to work on every single line he's on because he does provide that Zach Hyman role to a certain extent. He might not have the offensive output of a Zach Hyman. We know Hyman's able to score in bunches. Mikheyev scores in bunches and then he'll miss a bunch of chances. So that's that's the frustrating part of Ilya Mikheyev, and Canucks fans will understand that very soon if you haven't watched him play. But what does he do really well? He's going to hound the puck. He's going to be in a position where he's not going to make the life of a, an NHL defenseman very comfortable. And guys like that can play with anybody. They can play with any skilled guy. Uh, this one, bow between Mikheyev and Kuzmenko, which is the big unknown right now. Because Manko in general is a fascinating one, and a lot of people were asked about him today, and yeah, hard shot, skilled player was kind of the the scouting report by uh, the players today. That one to me, okay. There's some speed on that with obviously Mikheyev. Because Manko, is he, if he's a credible NHL skater mm-hmm. and maintains up with the, the, the pace of play, and has natural playmaking ability, that to me is fairly interesting. The, the line that I've wanted to see, I mentioned it to you before. It's it's the same iteration what you were talking about, but just swap out Bohorvert with Elias Pettersson. And that to me is your stopper line, because we know Elias Pettersson can be really, really sharp defensively. And there's your facilitator. There's your creator, who, by the way, can also bury goals himself. But those games where we saw Pettersson play with Podkolzin and Hoaglander, you could see him play a safety role and just say, hey, what do I have to do to just keep the tempo of the line going around? And when I get my opportunities, okay, I'll take my shots. I'll, I'll try to create. But generally speaking, that it, it was interesting to see Elias Pettersson kind of work out the problems on the ice with two young players last season. With two guys who are going to be motoring down the wing, that would be really interesting for me to watch. My only question with that one would be, do you limit the offensive output? Of one Elias Pettersson. Are you essentially saying, hey, we're willing to sacrifice, sacrifice sure. some points as a result? And is there more offense to give in his game but if you put him with those players? To me, that's also a challenge than Elias Pettersson. You're supposed to be the team's best offensive player, the best offensive forward. I know JT Miller puts up a lot of points, but you're supposed to be this team's dynamic point-producing forward. And Bruce Boudreau mentioned it today. He thinks Elias Pettersson is going to want to show his version of PD for 82 games. We saw it for 40 games. 
a little less than 40 games. Sure. A lot of people doubting he would even get to 60 points. Yep. 55. I remember I, at one point in January, I said, I think he's going to be a point-of-game player the rest of the way, and was laughed at, and he easily paced it the rest of the way. Sitting very, very impressive end of season from Elias Pettersson. But yeah, he's going to have to show up for 82. So you mentioned the Pedersen, Pod Coles, and Hoaglander line from last year. And I remember, I believe it was a game against Nashville, in Nashville, where they scored a couple of goals. You saw the confidence come back. Not only Elias Pettersson, but both of those players too. Those guys were kind of struggling at that point. Pod Colson, I could see. Hoaglander, you're not going to have him on your fourth line if he's in the lineup. Mm-hmm. So it's either going to be some variation of a third line where, you know, maybe it's treated like a fourth line in terms of ice time. But with those three centers, I don't see that happening either, right? This isn't the lineup that we saw last year with a Jason Dickinson playing the center and you're, or Adam Gaudet the year before where you're, you're limiting ice time. Hoaglander and Pedersen, they do have chemistry. They're buds. So I could see that at some point. But with now with the depth that this organization has, I don't need, I'm not clamoring to see that line. Like yeah. we kind of know what they can do. It feels like the rest of this line has a higher ceiling that, sure, they have chemistry. You go back to it if you need it. The excitement factor is not necessarily there for me with that one because we've seen it before. Uh, 650, 650. Uh, this one, Ilya McKay is a finisher. He finished, uh, never mind. I won't read that. You can't one. read that yeah, one. You no, almost. You I, almost. Wait a pre-read, bro. Wait no, a pre-read. I, I, I read it and I thought he meant something else and then I read it in real time and I was like, no, I can't uh-huh. read that one. Yeah, no, I can't read that one. It's going to be a confession one. Friday right in front of us. <laughs> did you finish your muffin, by the way? Yeah, I did. Uh, yeah, no. Uh, that would have been something, Vic. I'm having a rough one. No, no that's all good. One. That's all good. Uh, <laughs> uh, one person does mention, based on the previous record and the, not playing the full season, there's some shortened seasons. Yeah. But Mikheyev did have that wrist injury where he was cut by a skate in Toronto. And a couple of years ago, that was the reason he didn't complete the season there. I think he got 39 games in. Um, so that was a big part of that as well. Uh, this one, Miller put Colson in Garland, Kevin, from Calgary. The Garland equation is... Where does he fit? I, I don't even want to say he's a wild card because I think we know what we get from Connor Garland. But the machination of what it looks like with two other players to me, that's the wild card element. Not necessarily what I think Connor Garland can produce, but more so how he fits with two other guys. Okay, there were two moments in the season last year where he played with Pedersen. At the beginning of the year, or the first time they had the experiment, it didn't work out so well. Pedersen was not playing his game. The second time they had it, looked pretty good. So, you know, when we talk about Pedersen being more of a shooter, Garland pairs up well with that because, yeah, he might hang on to the puck a little bit too long at times, but he does facilitate well. We saw that last year. He can make those no-look passes. He can make those backhand passes. Is there an opportunity for him to play next to a Pedersen? And we see more of a scoring touch from Pedersen throughout the season. Like, I'm still intrigued by that pairing rather I'd than like the to Miller aspect. Uh, when, when Garland and Pedersen played together last year, I think I called them like the, the rom-com line just because... It's like Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks on screen, man. It just fit. It just fit. There's chemistry there. I've never heard that comparison before. Okay. All right. There was just instant chemistry to me. And so when 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 Colton joined them, you got a bit more physical element. I wouldn't mind seeing that too. The the Mikheyev put Colson Pedersen line that I do want to see together, that's more rooted in, hey, this is a true stopper line for me. You know me. Yeah. Team defense. Team right? defense. You're I'm, I'm pro defense. Huge Dallas Stars fan of the yeah. uh, last three years. L- last, yeah. The, 
You're gonna be you're gonna be watching a lot of Winnipeg Jets hockey this year, aren't you? If they go full on defensive style, uh, low key, yeah. Not just because we talked to a friend of the show Brendan Dillon yesterday. Great interview yesterday, by the way. Check it out. In the hour pod. two, hour two. But yeah, looking at the Jets, like there's some sleeper potential with that team that I think people want to overlook. So yeah, I'm, I'm gonna be kind of interested to see what that team does. But this team just has not had a forward line that's the true like go shut someone's. Best line down. They've tried Jason Dickinson, didn't work. Tried Brandon Sutter, didn't work. Tried Jay Beagle, didn't work. We we talk about Horvat. He's had to play with other wingers. There's offensive responsibility he's got to do as well. For me, it's been varying results. Other people seem to see it. I don't. This line, if you put it together, this to me is the truest version of that line on the other side is not getting chances tonight. And we can be physical with Mikheyev and put Coles in. We'll generate off the four check. This is the way you could actually do that. And I pitched this to you three weeks ago, and I said, hey, if you want to open up Bo Horvat, this is the way to do it because of someone above him in the lineup that's now taking the defensive responsibility. If you want the best offensive version of Bo Horvat, this to me makes the most sense. Okay, Sam asked a, a good question, though. 650-650 Dunbar Lumber text line. Doesn't Pedersen have to play with someone who can take the face-offs for him, right? I mean, that's part of the growth too. No, you got to be better at face-offs if you're going to be on one of the lead lines on your team. The other thing is, we talk about usage. These situational face-offs, now with Curtis Lazaro part of the mix, you expect Bo Horvat to take a lot of those. Do we see more of Elias Pedersen now that they have three centers that they're pretty comfortable with? that he goes back to kind of what we saw at the beginning of last year, a lot more offensive zone starts. Those situational face-offs that need to be taken, Lazar and Bo Horvat could probably take those. Especially if you pair up Bo Horvat with a certain type of player that they're eating more defensive zone starts, you do open up, and not to say Elise Pedersen can't take defensive zone face-offs, he needs to get better at that. If you want to be a better player in this league, you're going to have to add that to your resume. But in the short term, I could see maybe saying, all right, while you work on that, you're taking more ozone starts, which he started off with last year. Oh, almost 61, if I'm not mistaken, 60, I believe 61% of his ozone, his starts were in the ozone to start off last year. Yeah. It evened out as he grew in confidence and he got better and it was more 50-50. But now that you have confidence in Lazar too, you're not leaning only on Bo Horvat. You have another guy that helps out and you're in a position where you can say, hey, Pedersen, we're going to give you more plum opportunities to score. I was just thinking, what do you think the percentage on Curtis Lazar's offensive zone face-offs are? Uh, Sub-20? Yeah, less. Sub-30? Less, less than my winning percentage in the fantasy football league. <laughs> I, I think it might be around like 20%. Yeah, probably. I'll have to look this up in the break. But they're not high. Let's put it that way. He's going to have a role. He's going to have a role. It's going to be in his own zone. And that's where he's going to have to thrive, along with Dakota Joshua uh, on that line. Maybe Jason Dickinson. We'll see what that looks and like. And I'm as sure well. Bo Horvat is going to still have a huge role in that as well, right? When you're one of the leading guys in yeah. faceoffs across the league, you're going to get that responsibility. That that's the what it is. But we've seen him be the lead guy in that role. Now it changed a little as the year kind of progressed near the end, and he started to get more uh, offensive zone starts, but. Uh, nevertheless, uh, Curtis Lazar, I think, is just going to take a lion's share of draws in his own end. And, you, you know, that's something that he's going to have to improve on as well. Yep. Because uh, I think he's hovered around 49% yes, he's uh, in his career. Yep. Yeah, so he's he's going to have to improve in that regard as well. 650, 650. Let's read a couple more of these ideas here. Uh, this one I also enjoyed. Garland Pedersen put Coles in. They would really go out and wreak some havoc. 
Uh, some other uh, ones, uh, this one, P.D. kuzmenko Mikheyev. That's Marcus and Gibson's. And uh, we haven't heard a lot of Miller one. This one's from Sonny. Uh, Miller, Besser, and Kuzmenko. Okay. Uh, in that case, JT Miller better be better defensively because mm-hmm. when you're playing with Kuzmenko, we don't know what that is. We don't know if he's, you know, even the scouting reports we got from Russia is, hey, this defense is not a, a focus of this guy's game. It's offense. He's like him- Bill Murray in Space Jam. Whoa, <laughs> yeah. whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't play defense. He, does, he doesn't <laughs> do that, right? Like, that's from what we heard. Now, you guys are going to have to listen to Mike on this one. Exactly. So, JT better bring the defense uh, if that's going to be the, the pairing. Because I wouldn't put, I'd rather put Kuzmenko with Pedersen or Horvat in that mm-hmm. sense than JT, just based on what we've seen in the last year. And that's on JT Miller to change that conversation, be better well, defensively, which he declared today. But, like, we need to see it as a point. Skating is another consideration for me. I know I just said yeah. I, I like Miller defensively a bit more than Horvat. I would say Horvath's the better skater. So Kuzmenko, to me, with Horvat makes more sense than with Miller, especially when you pair it with Besser. That, that's my concern there. It's all very fascinating. So though. you have more you trust one? defensively in JT Miller than you do in Bo Horvath? I don't have a lot in either. Okay. But if I had to choose one. Okay, we, we definitely differ on that. I would, I would still lean on, on Bo, Bo on that one. We got this one from Tim in Vancouver. I think it's a, a really interesting question. It's a, We'll share it later on in the show, too. But Garland needs to hit 25 goals minimum to earn that contract. He hit 19 last year. And he didn't get, like, any any sure. power play time. So, But here's the difference, because I think we just said 45 points for Mikheyev, who makes 4.7, and Garland, who had more points than him. 52. And we're, and we're yeah. talking about, oh, he needs to produce more at five or at 4.95. Here's the difference. Mikheyev brings you defensive value, yep. penalty kill, yep. and just in general – at five on five, that Connor Garland does not. So my standard for Connor Garland is probably 55, if not 60 points, and certainly more goals. For me, I, I think he needs to score more goals. By his own admission, he's, sure. he needs to have a he, better he year. Didn't, he didn't like his year last yeah. year. No. And so think of the gap then that cr- gets created. If Connor Garland can get to 55 points and McKayev gets to 45, then there's that 10-point defensive value that McKayev has to make up. Sure. And I, I think in that, he'll always make that up whatever, 10, 12, 15 points of defensive value. But he has to do that. He has to produce less offensively because he produces so much elsewhere. He does the other things. Whereas Connor Garland, what I'd like to see this year, and we didn't see it consistently last year, was him getting a spot in the top six. Like, he was bounced around a little bit. He was yo-yoing. He was yo-yoing. And I think with Elias Pettersson, what you have is you have that chemistry. I want to see it for a while. I want to see them hopefully produce right off the bat. And then when we talk about 25 goals or those 60 points, he's more likely to do that when he's... I don't even care about the power play. If if you're on a line that has skilled centers and you're not worried about bouncing around potentially the third line, a different kind of matchup or a different role altogether, I I think playing with a skilled center like Elias Pettersson, yeah, you can hit that 25 goals. You can probably hit that 60 points, but just give him that role consistently. 650, 650, come in with your line combinations. Bruce Boudreaux has declared the ones we'll see tomorrow are the ones he wants to see on opening night. You can come in with those. If you've got fantasy football questions as well, get those into the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. We'll talk to Danny Kelly from The Ringer next here on the Home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650.
Welcome back to The People Show. Bick Nazar and Randeep Janda, also with Dominic Shramati, coming to you live from the Intech studio. You got fantasy football questions. Get them in, 650-650, into the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. What's up? Speaking of the uh, inbox, we got Devin and Kamloops saying, let's talk about some NFL football. Please, take a break from the Canucks. We are. Danny Kelly's joining us in a we, matter of seconds. We've been saying for the, uh, the, the past 90 minutes, get your questions in, because at some point, uh, we will be talking about fantasy football, as we do every Wednesday at 2.30. Randy, you have plenty, right? Because your team's not yeah, good. Yeah, my, my team sucks. I fully yeah. acknowledge that. But maybe Danny wants to talk Canucks. Well, we can go in any direction he wants. Danny, do you want to talk about the Vancouver Canucks? <laughs> <laughs> Probably not, since I know next to nothing about <laughs> hockey, as you well know, Bick. Yeah. Uh, uh, pro- probably not a good idea. It's... it's Fantasy hockey, man. You got to get into fantasy hockey next. <laughs> that is my next move, I think, actually. Yeah. Maybe you can help me with that. For sure. Uh, this football season, uh, make it the Clayton Public House, the Clayton Public House, 188th Street and 56th, 56th Avenue in Surrey, and the ClaytonPub.com. Uh, all right. Let's get into it. Uh, Randy needs all sorts of help here. Just in trouble right now. Like, <laughs> I'm. do I panic sell? Do I panic buy? What do I do here, Danny, as an 0-2 team that is underperforming? Well, do you think that your team is good, or do you think you just did Not a really, really terrible I don't job think I, in the draft? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, what do you do at this stage? Like, if, if it, it can be so disheartening if you're 0-2 right now. Uh, is is yeah. the fantasy season long, or is the fantasy season short? Do you panic, or do you say, hey, I need the next win? I mean, generally speaking, I would say the season is a, it's a long season, and we shouldn't overreact too much to, you know, the first two weeks or whatever. There's injuries, there's... Um, teams that are still trying to figure out their own identities. You know, like Tom Brady's not going to be the worst fantasy quarterback um, in the NFL all year. Like, I, I think this is – you have to kind of take in, um, into consideration, like, the schedule. There's just so many variables that things can kind of go right early on in the season, and you just kind of have to write it out. That being said, if you, if you hate your team and you don't think you can actually win with the team you have, um, I'd say the best course of action is just, like, take a big swing on – on guys that you think are going to have really big second half of the season. Maybe that means like rookies, uh, go get Garrett Wilson or something like that. Um, but yeah, I think generally speaking, you shouldn't panic. Okay. Um, you say, you know, you hate your team. I hate my team even when I win. So it's just a love hate relationship <laughs> and fantasy that I have. All right. So you're talking about yeah. like buying, uh, you know, certain players or trading for them, maybe looking at big second halves, but through two weeks, Who's your go-to uh, right now for a sell-high candidate? Like, is there somebody that you're saying, all right, if you got this guy in your roster, you had a great two weeks, but I don't believe in it? Um, I think a good example of, of a guy like that would be maybe Clyde Edwards-Alaire for, uh, for the Chiefs, just because, and I don't think he's a bad player. I don't think he's going to be, you know, like a total bust this year, but I think he's probably not going to be the, the running back five throughout the whole season, which is what he is in PPR right now. Like, he just doesn't have the, the utility, utilization so far. Um, they're just not using him enough. He's, he's splitting reps with a couple other guys. He's happened to have a couple touchdowns here and there to kind of like buoy his numbers. But if you look at some of the underlying metrics, it, it just doesn't seem sustainable. So, you know, everyone's going to go for a guy who's playing for the Chiefs, I think. It, obviously, um, you're not going to get like an elite, elite player for him. But if you do need like a, a good receiver, like a wide receiver two, or even maybe like a low end wide receiver one, he might be able to fetch that at this point. So um, he, he'd be like one guy that comes to mind. Uh, I'm forever sad about the, the Trey Lance injury. Uh, he's out for the year. Uh, it takes a QB off the market. Um, but what does it mean for the 49ers weapons around him? Now, George Kittle has been out Uh, at some point. He's going to come back. 
what does this mean for Debo? What does this mean for Brandon Ayuk and that offense on a whole? Is this better for the weapons from a fantasy perspective now that Jimmy G is there? Yeah, I think so, <laughs> which is kind of – I mean, it's kind of sad, obviously, but, like, Lance was a complete unknown as a passer. I mean, he just doesn't have the reps. He doesn't have the game starts. Um, he just – you know, we don't really know exactly what to expect from him, and I think they were going to be especially run-heavy with him under center. So now, going forward, you know, in you know conjunction with the fact that they've had multiple injuries to their running backs now, which seems to be like a yearly thing for the 49ers, you could see that potentially be a little bit more pass-heavy – um, lean a bit, a little bit more on Jimmy G. He's obviously a veteran. He's been here before. He's ingrained in the offense. He knows how to run it. I think generally it's it's pretty good, uh, honestly, for the skill players, um, especially the pass catchers. And so, yeah, I think you know from a fantasy point of view, it's definitely short term, probably a plus. It's it's obviously for the 49ers as a team, it's long term, net negative, just because you need to see what you can you can get from Trey Lance, but. Um, yeah, I would say you know buy Ayuk because I think he's gonna ha- he's gonna have a bigger role as the season goes on. I think Debo because of the injuries to running back is gonna continue to have a pretty big role in the backfield, so that's also good for Ayuk. So um, he would he to me is a good buy low candidate right now. All right, looking at the AFC North as well, I know there's a lot of uh, Steelers fans. We had one text in right before you joined us talking about Chase Claypool. In that offense, are they ever gonna take shots downfield? Because it feels like with the quarterback in question. <laughs> It doesn't seem like a really good situation. You have uh, some of those wide receivers on your fantasy team. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think you nailed it. There, this just this offense isn't built um, to have that vertical element. Just not with Trubisky under center, anyway. I think you know they but even are, if Pickett goes in, I don't look at that and say, "Oh wow, they're really going to start like just airing it out." Probably not, but I mean, I think Pickett would be better <laughs> at this point. Like Trubisky, if you look at his scatter chart, his passing chart, it's literally just like a big a giant like a short u it's just all stuff to the sideline and short in, in the short and intermediate area like there's no deep shots he's not doing anything really he's maybe like the worst starter in the nfl at this point um and that's like being generous so uh i would say you know they have a real decision to make here the, the sealers have been very conservative and not prone to like reacting to what the media and fans want but you know if they consider themselves a, a playoff team and they want to you know, actually make the season something worthwhile, like they might need to turn uh, to Kenny Pickett or even Mason Rudolph. I don't know if things get bad enough. But, yeah, Trubisky's just not cutting it. I mean, that's, like, why you see George Pickens, who was, again, like the superstar of superstars at, during training camp and preseason. Uh, he's, like, caught, like, three passes, I think, so far. He's just running wind sprints down the sideline. He's, like, doing nothing other than just, like, running vertical routes. So um, it's disappointing, but – I think if they do make a change, I'd have a little bit more hope. Talking to Danny Kelly from the Ringer Fantasy Football Podcast with Danny Heifetz and Craig Horlbeck. If uh, you're sending in start some stardom, sit them questions, you can email them as well, ringerfantasyfootball at gmail.com. Uh, make sure you check out their pod as well. We'll try to frame your questions in a way where we're trying to get in, uh, everything outside of just stardom, sit thems uh, I, I shudder to even ask this question, Danny, but uh, are the <laughs> Jacksonville Jaguars good for fantasy? Are they good for fantasy? Maybe, yeah. yeah. Um, I think I thought you were going to ask me if they're good. Good. I was like, no, it just I like Trevor way. Lawrence looks like he's taking that step as a first overall pick. Christian Kirk looks phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, I've always run away from Jaguars in fantasy. Uh, is this the year I should be buying into them again? I think so. Yeah. I mean, I'm a big believer in Trevor Lawrence. I think obviously last year when he was a rookie it was just about the worst scenario the worst situation you could imagine other than if you're like justin fields or whatever 
this, this, the coaching was awful. The surrounding cast was awful. Um, and then this offseason, they obviously got a professional coach in Doug Peterson who knows what he's doing, he knows how to, like, run a program. Um, he's even-keeled, unlike Urban Meyer. And, you know, he, he's a guy that, like, I think the locker room respects. So that's, like, big. And then, of course, going out and getting, like you said, Christian Kirk, going out and getting a couple of different skill players. Evan Ingram kind of came on this last game. Um, I think that's definitely going to help, you know, help him be more cl- closer, at least to what we thought he was going to be coming into, you know, into the NFL. Because like Trevor Lawrence, obviously, was considered one of the great quarterback prospects of all time, really. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm excited to see what they do. I think that they're bad enough that they're going to be a lot of trailing game scripts, so they're going to have to pass a lot generally, uh, which is good for fantasy, of course. And then, um, you know, as the year goes on, I think. Uh, Trevor Lawrence is going to get on the same page more with some of the receivers. You know, the immediate returns though are like really strong with Christian Kirk. Um, he's been outstanding. He has like potential to be legitimately like a low end wide receiver one. Um, more realistically, he might be a wide receiver two, but like he's looking already like one of the um, best values at receivers so far this year. So it, it's definitely exciting. And I, and I do think Travis Etienne is going to get more involved as the season goes on. Um, so if you have him on your team, don't totally panic. Um, because I think they're going to have more trailing game scripts. He's he's more of the pass catcher in that backfield, and James Robinson is the you know grind it out, win the game. They were they were leading pretty much all last week, so you know ETN didn't get a lot of usage. But I think that's going to improve as the year goes on. All right, keeping it in Florida, I'm still buzzing from that Ravens Dolphins game as a Dolphins fan. Uh, what did that game tell us about Tua as a fantasy option? Does he have your trust? Uh, trust is probably not the right word. A little too strong. Okay. But um, I would say I'm definitely very hopeful. It's, they are exciting, man. Like, you're a Dolphins fan. That's got to be super exciting to watch this offense because, um, I mean, I'm not even kidding. This might be the fastest collection of, of receivers that the NFL has ever known in terms of uh, Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. Like, we, not, we haven't really seen that combination of speed um, at the receiver position. And, and Mike McDaniel did a really good job of scheming it up so these guys are able to get the ball in space, run after the catch, and basically do – the heavy lifting for this offense. And I mean, I think Tua was impressive and I went back and watched the all 22 of that game uh, this week. And I mean, he made some very impressive throws to me. Like I think it's being undersold. Obviously he's getting a lot of hype for the total stats, but like a lot of people are just saying, Oh, it's just Hill and Waddle running free. It's not really anything Tua is doing, but I don't think I would agree with that. I think Tua was, um, you know, he showed some ability to improvise and, and get open on two different touchdown passes. Um, he showed the ability to throw the needle over the middle of the field. You know, obviously there was one or two deep passes that were a little short, but like when you got the two fastest receivers in the NFL, sometimes you're going to short arm it. I think that's just the, the nature of the beast. But um, yeah, I think I was very encouraged with what he did. Obviously, especially in the second half, he's, he's been very good at just straight drop back game, which is um, basically you're taking away the, like all the scheme stuff, like play action and, and all that that, that kind of helps the or helps the quarterback, and he's able to just drop back, hit his receiver, and run the offense, and that was really encouraging. So yes, I come out of the game very hopeful. Um, I think they need to stay healthy. Is, is kind of the big thing. Like if if either Hill or Waddle goes down, then the wheels could fall off. But if those two guys stay healthy, then I think they have a chance to kind of continue doing what they were doing. Not necessarily at that level, but still be a pretty good offense. Are there any offenses you just? want out on I, I know you've been tweeting with the Seahawks and just how many plays they're running which is not a lot uh for for wide receiver options but it, it, like I watched the Broncos and yeah like Russ is completing passes and Cortland Sutton's got mm-hmm. just under 200 yards but man like I get nervous about them I'm suddenly nervous about the Colts uh you can go around like the Bengals yeah they'll throw a bunch but like, is Burrow gonna get sacked and will he get gun shy right. is there any other offenses you're just out on 
the the Bears. I just have right. absolutely nothing to do with the Bears. I mean, I, I would say I am. I, I probably remain a Justin Fields believer, but man, it's really testing my faith just watching that that offense the last couple of weeks. I think they have 15 completions in two games. 15. He's the 33rd ranked quarterback in terms of attempts. There's 32 teams. Um, <laughs> so, I, like, I, obviously, that is not a situation. Wait, who's ahead of him? Like, what backup is ahead of him? Uh. Cooper Rush, I think. Oh, right. Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, this is just ridiculous. They don't want him to throw the football. Like, he had seven completions this last game. I mean, that's just not a recipe for fantasy success, obviously. Um, not not in the passing game. I mean, David Montgomery's looked pretty good. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I'm out on the Chicago offense. Vic, you mentioned the Seahawks. They are on pace, I think, to, like, have the fewest plays of any team since, like, 1980. This is, And that was, like, a completely different era where everybody was, like, running the ball a ton. Like, it's absolutely absurd how few plays they're they're playing. They were dead last in the NFL last year in plays per game. They played 56 offensive plays per game last year. They are, they are right now doing 48 offensive plays per game. Like, it is absurd. And, again, in fantasy, you want plays, you want points, you want lots of passing. Basically, you just want more, like, a bigger piece of the pie. You want a bigger pizza. And the Seahawks are like a little tiny, like little handheld pizza that you get on a plane or something like that's just, there's just not enough to go around for all the off- offensive pieces there. So um, yeah, obviously I'm, I'm kind of out on the Seahawks right now. I'm I'm still hopeful on the Bengals. I think they'll get it together. I think Burrow's too good and the, and the receivers there are too good. Um, so uh, yeah, I'd, be, I'd still be in on them. And I think the Broncos are going to get a lot better too. Um, in terms of efficiency, they've actually been, I think I saw their top 10 in, in EPA per play, which is very surprising. Um, I think they'll improve as the as the year goes on. All right, we got this uh, this trade question. It's not a stardom situm, but uh, who wins this trade? AJ Dillon for J.K. Dobbins. Who do you like better uh, for the rest of the year here? Dillon. Uh, I think that one's probably pretty easy, just yeah. based on the, the fact that I don't really know what we're going to get from Dobbins this year. I don't know if he's even close to being healthy. I, he is being uh, he, he's a full participant in practice, but um, I mean, if you hear some of the things that happened, like he, when he got hurt last year, he tore his hamstring. His ACL, uh, his MCL, I think maybe his LCL. There was like a whole bunch of stuff that was going on in there. And so obviously, um, you know, we've warned this in the past in our podcast, like just stay away from guys coming off of major, major knee injuries the first year they're back. The second year they're back. So next year I'll be I'll be excited about Dobbin. But this year I don't think you can expect him to have the same explosiveness that he showed last year or before his injury. Um, I don't think you can expect him – to have a big role, honestly. Like, I think they're probably going to, like, platoon the backfield because he's just not going to be fully healthy and fully explosive. Um, so I, I have, you know, I, I just have kind of low expectations for what they're going to do, plus add in the fact that he doesn't really get involved in the passing game. Um, you know, and then Lamar Jackson's going to steal a bunch of carries and goal line stuff. And I don't know. It's just a recipe for to be underwhelmed, I think, for Dobbins. And I am, like, one of the biggest Dobbins fans. I love that guy. I think he's, like, one of the most talented receivers or sorry, running backs, but, um, you know, I just, it doesn't really add up to me this year for him to have like a complete go off season. On the other hand, I think Dylan, you know, especially if Aaron Jones were to get hurt, like Dylan is top five potential. He's a standalone. He has standalone value because he's getting involved in the passing game. He's got, he's got a good amount of carries. In fact, I think he's, um, if he's not even with, with, uh, with Aaron Jones this year, he's like out carrying him already. So, 
I think there's plenty of uh, pr- plenty of meat on the bone in, in Green Bay just because they don't have very many pass catchers there. So I'd definitely go with Dylan on that one. Uh, what about the Dallas backfield? Now, Tony Pollard uh, had a big play and, and managed to convert into a touchdown. Uh, when you look at that, is that something that's similar to Green Bay where it's it's dual running back and both guys going to get enough touches? Or was this just a, a short blip by uh, Tony Pollard versus Cincinnati? And while uh, Dak is out, like these guys, are they going to get enough run here? This is the million dollar question. I mean, I don't know. Like, we've been wanting Pollard to be a thing now for like three years or however long he's been in the NFL, basically. Just he's so explosive, and you see it every time he passes the eye test immediately, like an, an idiot. An alien could come down and be like, oh, yeah, Tony Pollard, he's awesome at this game. Um, but for whatever reason, the Cowboys just don't want to use him enough. Like, they just don't use him consistently enough, and it's, 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 it makes him very volatile. You know, he's a guy that I'm willing to put in the flex position if you need like a big, a big week from him, but like, also, don't be surprised if he has, like, four points because they're still willing to feed Zeke. Um, the good news, I guess, for Pollard is that Zeke has not really been a part of the passing game at all this year. Like, he's, uh, I think he's on pace for a career low in target rate this year. Um, you know, I think he's, like, got five points in, in both weeks so far. And so, like, he's been a huge disappointment. But um, I guess the silver lining there is if you have Pollard, Pollard – is a guy that could get five or six targets a game, and that could salvage things. But um, again, it's going to be volatile. But I, I'm I'm willing to bet on the talent and, and kind of hope for the best. I've uh, got one more here from the inbox. Uh, these two quarterbacks drafted really high in their respective drafts. Uh, Goff or Wentz? Uh, as far as uh, like, do you believe what they're doing? Is, is this little Blake Bortles esque of just they're able to get points uh, late, or is is this legitimate? I think I this is crazy because i don't know I, I definitely wouldn't have said this prior to the season but i think i might lean wins i think just the the skill players they have are really good obviously um but i think you know they the, i like the oc there in, in washington i think that they've done a good job scheming up guys getting curtis table involved um i don't know it's close it's close but i, I would say i'd lean wins a little bit just because i think that they're going to lean a little bit more on him than Detroit will lean on Goff. I think if, if Detroit's in its perfect scenario, they'd be running the ball a lot, you know. And so I think you could probably expect more volume from Wentz this year. So I'd, I'd slightly lean Wentz. And, and obviously he's outscoring Goff so far. Uh, DK, we appreciate it, man. Uh, if you want to get in touch uh, with the show again, ringerfantasyfootball at gmail.com. Flood them with uh, your uh, your fantasy football questions as well. Make sure you listen to the show with Danny Heifetz and Craig Holbrecht. DK, uh, we'll talk soon. All right, sounds good. Thanks. It's Danny Kelly from the Ringer Fantasy Football Podcast, the Fantasy Football Update, brought to you by Clayton Public House, pregame to postgame. Clayton Public House, your home of football. Catch all the action on 15 screens, two giant projectors, and the ClaytonPub.com. You feel confident now? Better. So basically what Danny said was, don't freak out! Just don't freak out. you got 14 weeks, man. No, I'm 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 all right. He's about to go 0 and three, by the way. No, I got, who's he play? Me. Oh, come on. And I'm oh! two and zero. So we did have a um, it's rough. I think a text or a tweet earlier from Vicky and Poco, who's a part of oh some side bet, some side bets, and you haven't no you haven't fared bet. well against me in side bets. Yeah, I I bought you a Knicks jersey. I love that John was it the, no Patrick it's Ewing. Like Patrick, Patrick Ewing. Patrick How Ewing dare jersey. you forget? I have a John Starks jersey as well, so I had to make sure. Um, no, so it's up to you, Dom. If you want to play, we can play. My team sucks. I'm the one who's probably going to lose another bet, but we can think about this in the lead-up to tomorrow. Yeah. Go home, brainstorm. See what you think. All I right. don't know who I'm against uh, this weekend. Build up some confidence. They've changed their team name in the in the People Show Fantasy League, so I'm not too sure who I'm okay. against. All right. They're trying to switch it up on you. 
Yeah. All right, I'll, f- I'll figure that out. So far, so good. And shouts to uh, Dan and Van and Marcus and Gibson, who were last week's points leaders Crushing in the it. People's League. Crushing it right now. Uh, and uh, let me just bring up the standings here uh, in the People Show Fantasy Football League. Yeah, big shout out to uh, Marcus Gibson's and Parkside team, 2-0 and right now. Strong. The, oh, the only 2-0 and teams. Strong. Okay, there you go. I, I guess we should give a shout out to the 0-2 teams as well. Like, keep trying. You'll do it one day. No, yeah. why are we giving out participation ribbons? Uh-uh. Just was, keep trying. Uh-uh. Well, like, we have to give Randy some no, hope. No, I, I, some hope. I will have declarations like the Canucks did today. I will not. I will not lose to Dylan. Oh, I just noticed. Actually, you'll like Rager's team name here. I just realized. What's that? It's Chub Soda. Chub Soda. That's okay. really good. That right, is right. good. That's really like strong brand. I like it. I just want to point out that on top of being 0-2, it's not like a Fugazi 0-2 where you have like the second most points for in the league. You just sure. happen to play the two teams he's, that... He's, he's lowest points. Yeah. No, he's second worst in the league in points for. But... Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> I was like, the points against are high. No, they're not. They're like middle of the, middle of the road. <laughs> the yeah, Vincibles, baby. It was a rough first couple of weeks, but this week I know the boys will be... Uh, We'll be strong. You absolutely love to see it. Uh, all right. Vic Nazar and Randy Janda. People uh, are dumb. Are done. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. People yes, are they done. Are. <laughs> Pardon me? P- people are done hearing about the. Uh, our, our That's a declaration. Teams. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I have some weird breaking news, by the way. Okay. Like it's actual? like, yes, it's 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 uh, falls under the category of light breaking news. Sportsnet 650. So but it's so news. weird. Are you sure it's breaking news? Yes. Because it concerns our national men's soccer team. Okay. Something that everyone is invested in. Uh, a lot of people eager to watch them play uh, World Power Uruguay as uh, one of their friendlies coming up on uh, September 27th. Uh, Canada just moments ago announcing where they're going to be playing that match. It's a neutral site, so it's not going to be in Canada. It's not going to be in Uruguay. It's going to be in my motherland. Let's go. Bratislava, Slovakia, at the home of Slovan Bratislava. This is just weird to me. Okay, so this is definitely breaking news in the Shramati home. Yes. Like, this yeah. is this is actual breaking news in your That's home. this weekend, right? Or next weekend? Next weekend. 27th. This is just... Why? Doesn't Bratislava have a little Ottawa? No? <sighs> Is it like a Canadian section of town? I don't really? think so, no? bro. Okay. No. That's a... This is out of left field. Okay, this one, usually when you have like neutral site games in Europe, it's like London or Paris or maybe Rome. Maybe. Slovakia for the first time. <laughs> the only thing I can think of is like... Do re- they think you're in town? Like Rent is low, you know? It's a, it's a cheap venue. And um, the Canadian national team has not confirmed any financial details with said national team, yeah. so cheap probably means... Something right now. I I have uh, no thoughts. <laughs> I will not be attending. Yeah, thought about it, but no. All right. Oh, that, I guess that's breaking news. Our bar is that low now. Appreciate that one. It, it's I relevant ca- news. I kind of hoped they would play in Canada, but that's no, obviously no, that was not, never. Gonna yeah, happen. that was never going to happen. Are you sure you didn't get got by Twitter or something like that? Where this, this is from yeah. their their Twitter account. All right. See, Reach was the one that sent it to me. I, I did like the JT Miller double take. That is out there. Uh, we'll talk about that later on in the show. Maybe we'll bring Richie in for that one. Marcus well. and Gibson's has takes about Bratislava. Welcome to Bratislava. Good thing you came in the summer. Winter is very depressing here. That's a Euro trip uh, reference. There you go. Oh, yeah, okay. I would know. Yes, we are building a train. 
Uh, all right, let's get to turf trivia. Yesterday's winner, Delta, walking away with four tickets to the Lions and Stamps at BC Place this Saturday. Who's walking away with uh, today's? You got to answer the question. Is it easier than yesterday's? It is. It's a lot easier. Uh, shouts to Gonzo and Delta who yeah. got it yesterday. Uh, it was a very difficult question. Today we've been talking a Just lot confusing about confusing question. That was a great question. It was one of the all-time favorites, really. Um, today's question. We talked a lot about Thatcher Demko. Who led the Boston College Eagles in scoring in Thatcher Demko's first season at BC? What NCAA here? In 2013-2014. What is happening? 2013-2014. Can you make that Thatcher Demko's easier? first season there? Who led them in scoring? If you know the answer. If you know your hockey, I expect answers real quick. If not, you can Google it too. You'll probably get a couple of minutes. All right. We'll do that in the break. 650-650. Who led the Boston College? Are they screaming Eagles or are they just Eagles? I, I thought it was Eagles. Eagles in scoring at Thatcher Demko's first season at BC in 2013-14. You know the answer. Text in 650-650. Vic Nazar and Randy Janda, Dominic Shermati as well. Uh, get your answers in and anything else you want to talk about. 650-650. Ian McIntyre, triple threat on the way. Home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650.